You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Welcome to Living Way Church. Today we begin a brand new series. I have a big announcement today. I, I quit. Um, well, then let's, that's the title of the series that we're just starting today. I quit. I am going to quit. Uh, there's a, quite a few things I'm going to quit. Uh, some things I've already quit and some I'm still working on. And over the next few weeks, I want to challenge you to get fed up about complacency and fed up about the things that are kind of holding you back. And I want to challenge you to, uh, to be with me for the next several weeks to, to make the decision to actually quit some things that need to be quit. Be a quitter. All right, about certain things. Have you ever been dressed up at a party where it was a dressed down event? You ever showed up? Who's, who's been one of the, show of hands on any one of these. You've ever been overdressed for something? Sean, <laughs> you've never been overdressed about anything. You've been underdressed probably many times. Uh, overdressed. Who's been overdressed? All right. Did it make you want to like crawl out of the room or something? Have you ever been like severely underdressed and it bothered you? Let me put it that way. Have you been underdressed? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one in jeans. I wore shorts and this was a, a no shorts. Raise, raise your hand if you've ever been underdressed. All right. I got another question. What have you ever, this is a, this past week, have you ever showed up in costume to something that was not a costume thing? Anybody? <laughs> a couple of people, anybody at all? Anybody else? Got a couple. Now that is exciting, isn't it? You're like all excited and you show up and you're like, oh man. Thought it was a costume thing. Um, and you have no other clothes. Uh, um, you want to leave. Uh, have you ever been picked for a sport you couldn't play? <laughs> Any guys man enough to say yes, I've been picked for a sport I couldn't play. All right. Thank you. Well, if you guys and if you ladies have been picked for like, like to bring food that you can't fix. Anybody by any chance? Guys could do that too, I guess. All right. How about, have you ever uh, had a line in a play and been in front of somebody and forgot your lines? Wow, that's a lot of you. You know, one of the biggest phobias of a person is actually public speaking. And it's, that's the fear is forgetting the line. What? Now I used to uh, um, do public speaking. I still do. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but I also used to do a lot of solos and singing when I was growing up. I, I used to, public speaking right there, 101. That's how it starts. It starts as children, boldness. Um, I used to sing a lot when I was uh, in, in youth group. And oh, have you ever got up front to sing a song and forgot the words? Anybody, few of you, anybody else? Oh, man, it's like, it's like I would write them on my hand. And I would feel like, I can't read them, huh? You know, you're all sweaty. Uh, forgetting the lines uh, when you're singing is horrible. How many of you, um, this is for some of you um, folks that, that maybe are young enough to, to, to still feel this way. Some of you guys are older. You're much wiser now. You don't feel this way anymore. A little fact, a little tear comes out when you think about how horrible you were. But how many of you young people have been embarrassed of your parents before? <laughs> How many of you adults have been embarrassed of your parents before? I'm just curious. All right. Embarrassed. And, and 
I used to, my mom was a crazy lady and I loved her, but she was very out there. And uh, I remember as a teen, I, you know, I was, I loved Jesus, but I was kind of a jerk sometimes. So we would go to the mall and I refused to walk with her at the mall because she was crazy. Anyhow, I would walk behind her or in front of her. And uh, how many of you have ever done something that you were ashamed of? Anybody ever done anything you've been ashamed of? Yeah, a few of us have been. Now, here's the question. Um, when you're in those moments where you're embarrassed or you've done something that you regret, the, the response is you want to run away, right? You want to maybe hide. You want to sneak out of the room. You want to stay in your seat. You don't want to cause any trouble. You don't want to show your face. You just, you just want to leave. And often the, the solution is that we avoid the situation or we run from the situation or sometimes we even lie about this situation because we're so ashamed, so embarrassed. We don't want to tell the, you know, maybe some of you have grown up in a very tough life, a tough childhood. And you think, you know, I don't want to talk about my parents because it was so painful. I'm ashamed of it. And so you, you don't talk about it or you lie about it. What is it that causes shame? What is it that causes embarrassment? What are the things that cause us to want to run and hide? I want to tell you something today. I've, I've quit something and, and I want you to join with me and to quit this. I quit being ashamed of, of one particular thing today. And, and I want to challenge you. I, I quit running away from this. And, and here's what I quit. I quit being quiet. Now, some of you are like, Ted, you quit that a long time ago. And it is true. I quit this a long time ago. Now, last week we laid the foundation, the groundwork for actually what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. And two really big principles that we talked about last week were, is it number one, that every relationship is eternal. Every person you meet, every family member you have, every relationship that you come in contact with, every life is eternal. That's a big part of what we talked about over the last month. The second thing is that not everyone goes to a better place. Not everyone goes when they die to a place called heaven. And, and that deep reality will cause us to come to a deciding, a decision point. Are we either going to be ashamed of what we know? Are we going to be embarrassed about what we know? Are we going to quit being quiet about this? Because if you believe the Bible, the reality is hell is real and God does not grade on a curve. Years ago, I decided I quit. I quit being quiet. I realized that we are called to tell the world and that witnessing was not just for extroverts and for preachers. I happened to become one, a preacher that is. I've kind of somewhat been an extrovert. I want you to know this. Guys, every person here, you already know what your mission in life is. You may not realize it, but you already know what you've been called to be about. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to don't unplug today because I'm going to talk about why it's so important for us who are Christ followers to talk to you and tell you about how much Jesus cares for you. But a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is for followers of Jesus. And I want you to know, if you're not a follower of Christ, you have one destiny, and that is know Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your destiny is to 
know him and become more like him. In fact, we are shaped for this. In fact, we have a destiny, we have a mission, and we have a method. Romans 8.23 says we are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Guys, listen, if you are, everybody take a deep breath. You know why you're alive? To know Jesus. You know what your destiny is if you are a follower of Jesus? Your destiny is to become like Jesus. So everything that we are to be about is to help us to shape our life into being and looking more like him. And not only do we have a destiny, so I'm like, what, am I, what is my destiny if you're a Christian? Well, to be like Jesus. We're like, well, what, what, is my, what is my mission in life? What is my purpose? You have that already. You're like, I don't know what I'm breathing air for. I don't know what I'm alive for. Five times we have in the New Testament what's called the Great Commission. It's five times Jesus challenging those that are his. He says, you want to know what your mission is? You want to know what your purpose is? You want to know why you're still alive after you give your life to Jesus? Because you have been called to tell the world. All of us have the same exact mission. Tell the world. If you are a follower of Christ... Make disciples and tell the world. Acts 1.8 says this, the last of the commissions out of five. It says this, it says, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's locally. And in Judea, that's geographically. And in Samaria, that's demographically. That means across racial divides and tribes. And to the ends of the earth, that's globally. God has called you. If you are a believer, you already have a destiny. Be like Jesus. You already have a mission, and that is tell the world. And you already have a method, and that is what you like doing. The method is very simple. The method basically means how we do it, and the answer is, what are you good at? Our method is our unique design and personality and how we reflect our destiny and our purpose. For example, some of you are great at singing and God says, you know what? I want you to use that to tell the world. Some of you are great at sports and God says, I want you to use that to tell the world. Some of you are great at electronics. God says, I want you to use that to tell the world. Some of you are great at cooking. God says, I want you to use that to tell the world. You see, we have a destiny. Be like Jesus. If you're not a follower of Christ, your destiny begins with no Jesus. We have a mission, that is tell the world about Jesus. And we have a method, and that is what you're good at. Now, here's the deal that we often get confused at, is that we think that our method is our mission. And it's not, because let me give you an example. Say you're great at sports, and you think your purpose in life is to be an athlete, and to be a great athlete for Jesus. That is never your Never your purpose. Your purpose is tell the world. Because if you get injured as an athlete, you still have your purpose, and that is tell the world. See, you'll find that over the course of your life, your method will change. You may not be able to do some of the things you used to do. If I lost my voice, for example, if I was to, you know, a few years back, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, a form of cancer. It was, it's a blood cancer. And I felt during that year that I was losing my voice. I didn't know if it was ever going to recover. And I got to brainstorming in my mind. If I completely lost the ability to speak, God, how can I tell the world? Because that's my purpose. It's not, it's not preaching. That's not my purpose. My purpose is tell the world, but I use my voice. If my voice is gone, I still got a purpose in life. Some of you guys need to get a hold of that. Don't allow your gifts, don't allow your, your abilities to be confused with your mission. 
In fact, 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. That's talent, abilities, things you're good at. He says to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, that means if you are an in front of person, in front of people kind of guy, he says, then do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If you're one who serves, that means if you're a behind the scenes kind of guy, he says, then they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. He says, man, you might be an upfront kind of person, but you do it to tell the world about Jesus. You might be a behind the scenes kind of person, but you do it to tell the world about Jesus. Now, this motivation of our, me- of our destiny, our mission, and our method is going to be the main motivation for I quit being quiet. In fact, the Apostle Paul gives us one of the most powerful verses on this in Romans. Let's take a look at it. Romans, let's start with verse 8. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He's not talking to us. He's talking to a church in Rome. He's talking to a church in Rome. In fact, it's the only letter in the only church in the entire New Testament that Paul had written a letter to that he had never been to before. He did not found this church. He did not start this church, but he wanted to go there. He wanted to visit them. And he says, he says, I thank God when I think of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Now, let me tell you something. Rome is at the center of the Roman persecution. This was a church that was highly condemned, that was very visible, visible, had lots of opposition, had lots of persecution. And, and Paul said, you know what? We're hearing about how you are standing up against all odds. He says, you are a group of people that has faced so much opposition. And, and man, we're excited when we hear about you. He says, God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you. He says, I'm not lying. He says, in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. He says, I so badly want to come to you and visit you. I've heard so much about you and how you're standing for God, how you're standing for Jesus, how you're unashamed, how you're bold, and how in the face of persecution and opposition, you stand. Goes, Man, I can't wait to hang out with you guys. And then he says, verse 11, he says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. He says, man, I can't wait to get there and encourage you. And I can't wait to be encouraged by you. He says, man, I cannot wait for how you're going to bless my life as well. Verse 14, I am obligated. Everybody say, I'm obligated. The word obligated means that I am bound by duty. Everybody say duty. That's just a funny word. Uh, I am bound by duty. He said, I am indebted. He says, I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. Basically what that means, he says, man, whether you're a Roman citizen or not, and then he says later on, whether you're Jewish or not, I am indebted, I'm obligated to tell everyone about how awesome Jesus is. Let me tell you something. Paul says, I was given the truth. I experienced the truth. Paul says, man, I was a man who persecuted Christians and on my way to hell, when God grabbed me, shook me, picked me up, 
turned me around, set my feet on a solid ground of Christ and moved me in a direction that changed my life. He says, I found the truth because Jesus sought me out and gave me the truth. And now he says, I must, I am compelled, I am obligated, I must tell the truth. I cannot be quiet. Verse 15, he says, that's why I'm so eager. Everybody say, I'm eager. The word there is a great word called, uh, you, you say in Greek, it's pro, uh, prothumos. And basically the idea of this word, it, it means I'm ready. He says, I am eager or I am ready, prothumos, to preach the gospel also to you. God has called every one of us to be prothumos. Everybody turn your name and say prothumos. It means I'm ready. And when I hear I'm ready, you know what I think of? SpongeBob. Yes, who said it? Somebody said it. Yeah, SpongeBob. Exactly. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Anybody even know what I'm talking about? Yes. Thank you. Who doesn't have a clue? SpongeBob, change your life. Try it out. Verse 16. And then he says one of the greatest verses that I ever learned as a young person when I decided I quit being quiet. I decided this when I was in high school and I've never been the same. Verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. That is a verse you you need to circle, you need to write down, you need to get memorized, you need to get in your blood, you need to make a declaration. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation to anyone who believes. I want to break this verse down for you. He says, for I, let me tell you something, quitting starts with you, not with your neighbor. It starts with you, not your spouse, with you, not your friends. He says, I am committed. I, God stirring me, sparking me, remind me, let me stop being quiet. He says, I, I love that. He says, for I am not ashamed. He says, I will not be quiet. I am not, will not be silent. I quit being quiet. I am not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel, everybody say good news, but it's bigger than good news. The word gospel here doesn't just mean, oh, that's good news. There's a sale at Kroger today. They're taking triple coupons. That's not what it's talking about. It's more than advice. It's more than suggestions. It's more than just news. Good news means life-changing, breaking news that transforms everything and must be told. When you see the word gospel, it's breaking, transforming, life-changing news that must be told. Let me tell you something. If you discovered the greatest, and if you discover the cure for cancer, you wouldn't be keeping it. I know a secret. You'd be like, man, I found it. Do <laughs> you realize how many lives are going to be changed and saved? This is breaking news. This is good breaking news. I got to tell the world, it's not just news that's really good. It's life-changing, life-transforming news. This is the gospel. I'm not ashamed of that breaking news. I'm not ashamed of this news. What is the news? What is this good, breaking, life-changing news? The news is, I am a sinner separated from God. Jesus died for my sins. 
good breaking news. I can be forgiven. And so can you. That's the gospel. I'm a sinner separated from God. Jesus died for my sin. Good news, breaking, life-changing news. You can be forgiven. That's the gospel. He says, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of this good news. He says, because it is the power of God. He says, it doesn't bring power. He says, it is power. Power. Many people want it. People want to be in power. They want power. They want responsibility. They want authority. The funny thing is that no matter how much power you have, without Jesus, you're powerless. He says, power for what? He says, it is the power of God that brings salvation. That breaking news is power to save, to rescue. Now, the question you might ask is, rescued from what? Saved from what? He says, man, this is the life-changing, breaking news that rescues us. Guys, we're all born sick and dead in sin, every one of us. Our conscience is seared with sin, but breaking news, Jesus breaks the power of sin, power to rescue us from our self-shame and separation from God. He saves us. He rescues us from our sin and self and shame. He says, and I love this part, to everyone, everyone. That's anyone, any race, any tribe, any stature, any economic background, rich or poor, great or weak, powerful or simple. Prejudice, I would tell you this right now, and racism is a sin. And the people you least expect and the people you'd rather not, God says, that's my people. He says, to everyone who believes. That means, so like, Here's what many people think the gospel is. Oh, I believe. Where's my ticket to heaven? I believe. I said a prayer. I want my ticket. Hell bad. Heaven good. Devil bad. Jesus good. Where's my ticket? It doesn't mean that. The word believe means to continually trust in or rely upon fully. This is a, an omnitemporal verb. It means it's something you don't stop doing. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God to save anyone who continually trusts in this message of good news. It's not a prayer. It's not a ticket. It's not about being good. This is a call not to be a better person, but to be a follower of Jesus. It means, God, I trust you as I follow you. And then he says, First to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. And some of you read that and like, I think I got most of it, but that I don't get. Why would he say to the Jew first and then to the Gentile? Well, it's very simple. Basically, anyone that was not Jewish is called a Gentile. So in the Bible, whenever you read the word Gentile, it means anybody that's not Jewish. Because the main, primary, very first audience of the Bible were Jewish people. And Jewish people had it in their mind that nobody could be saved except for Jewish people unless you were racially a Jew. I'm not talking about you converted to Judaism. They believed that only those that were racially from the lineage of Abraham himself, only those people could be saved. Then here comes Jesus, who is God, who set the record straight. He says, man, I didn't just come for you guys. You were the vessel that was to bring forth me, the the Messiah. He says, so I'm going to tell you first, but this is a message for the world. 
So he says to the Jew first, the ones who are the chosen people to be my vessel of, of people. He says, but this is for the world. This is for everybody. This is not just for a select few people who will believe. I want to tell you something, and this might bother you. Jesus was not white. Jesus did not have blonde hair, probably. He definitely didn't have blue eyes. And he probably wasn't black either. And he probably wasn't Asian either. And he definitely wasn't Mexican. (laughs) But you know what he was? He was Jewish. And ancient Jewish people were actually quite dark. They were typical to what are basically Egyptian-type skin colors or um, the southern Iraq, Iran, uh, the, the Arabia Peninsula. That kind of darker skin cone, uh, tone was the ancient Jewish people. Now, a lot of Jewish people today are blonde hair and white. You know why? Because there was a good 1,500 years where they lived in Europe. And a lot of what became the ancient Jewish color skin tone became a very European Anglo blend. But Jesus was probably closer to an Arab looking person. In fact, if there was profiling today, Jesus probably wouldn't be let on a plane very easily. He would be profiled. He looked more like a Middle Eastern than what you might expect. But guess what? He speaks Spanish. And he speaks English. And he speaks German. And he speaks French. And he speaks Arabic. And he speaks Chinese. But he is and will always be God who came in the form of a Jewish man. He rose again from the grave as a Jewish man. And the Bible says he sits on the throne as a man so that we might be able to see God in the flesh for ourselves. And guess what he resurrected as and what he will be? A Jewish man. Someone who's probably darker than what we might expect in the pretty little pictures of Jesus. He says, I've come to the Jew first because that's the people I chose to bring forth me. And then to everybody else. You know what that means for us? That means basically to our family first and then to the world. He says to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. He says to those that are closest to me and then those to the rest of the world. Guys, listen, this message, I will not be quiet, begins at home. It begins with those closest to you. It begins with your family. It begins with your friends. It's time to not be quiet. So here's why he says it's so powerful. Verse 17, he says, for it is the gospel. For in the gospel that... Amazing, life-changing, breaking news. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness that is by faith in Jesus from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Guys, righteousness is not something that can be purchased, peddled, or procured by payment. It can only be given, and the gospel is not an attempt for you to become a better person. The gospel is not meant for you to be good. The gospel is meant to change your position. Let me explain it like this. Before I was a Christian, I was born sick and dead in sin. You guys have known some of you this message. And you are separated from God. 
But what Jesus did is he took me in my sin and I said, Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I recognize you as Lord and Savior of my life. God, I will follow you. And Jesus took me and put me in a new position in him. The gospel of righteousness is about a position thing. When you give your life to Jesus, guess what? You are righteous, period. It's a position thing. It's not a doing thing. When we give our life to Christ, we are made righteous in Christ, period. Now he says, walk out that righteousness and be who I've made you already. Guys, this is the gospel, the power of the gospel. The gospel message changes our position. It puts us in a completely different place with God. So when God looks down on me, he doesn't see sinful dead. He says, he sees righteous dead because my position in Christ has made me righteous. He says, that's the power of believing this gospel. That's the power of rescuing you from sin and saving you in light of God by faith. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. And guess who's invited? The people you don't like. Guess who's invited? The people you don't want there. The people who you don't even like talking to. The people that you complain about. Those are the people. Jesus guest list. In fact, Mark 2, 17, three of the four gospels, Jesus said, I didn't come for those that think they don't need a physician. I didn't come for those who think they're good. I come for those that know that they are sinners, that know they are sick. I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. Jesus came for the sickos. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a sicko. Because we are sickos. In our sin, we're sick in sin. And Jesus said, I've come for you, every one of us. Man, when you watch that guy on TV who makes you crazy, he's a sicko. Jesus said, that's my guy. I want him. That person at work who's like an extreme pervert, God says, you know what? I'd like that guy. He's a sicko. I've come for him. Some of you look in the mirror and go, God, I'm so sinful. I'm, I'm so ugly inside. God, you know my heart. I've got so much. God says, I've come for you. You're a sicko. He says, I didn't come for the well. I came for those that know they are sick. But good news for me, because that's me and that's us. In fact, the early church, when they were filled with power, they started to tell the world. You've got the first three chapters, Acts 8, uh, uh, Acts 8, 9, and 10. Those first three chapters are when they actually started telling the world about Jesus. In Acts chapter 8, they talk about the avoided ones. There's this long history of disgust with Samaritans, and a Samaritan got saved. In Acts 8, 9 through 13, there was the local despised one. There was a local drug dealer, also a sorceress. They were the same. And this guy was pushing drugs, pushing chemicals on people. And God says, you know what? I want that guy. And he met Jesus. Acts 8, 26 through 38, he talks about the rejected ones. There's a sexually confused person. And we're going to talk about him in just a moment. There's Acts 9, 1 through 16. There's the hated ones. An arch enemy of God came to know Jesus. His name was Paul. Acts 10 talks about the people who are the last on the list and a guy named Cornelius who was a Roman soldier who all Jewish people hated and despised and considered the devil on the earth. This guy Cornelius was the first Greek to become a believer. And Jesus says, you know what? My guest list includes all the people you don't like. It includes the avoided ones, the despised ones, the rejected ones, the hated ones, 
the last ones on the list. I want to look at one example, and it's in Acts 8. We're going to look at that story of Philip, and we're going to find out how this story of Philip helps us to not be quiet on how we can do one-to-one sharing of our faith in Christ. Let's talk about this. Acts 8, 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, By the way, Philip was in a city called Samaria. He had been preaching the gospel. He had been seeing life change. Man, he was seeing miracles. It says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. He says, I want you to go to a deserted desert road, a road seldom traveled. And it could have stopped him right there. Philip could have said, whoa, 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 God, don't you see the harvest of what's going good here in Samaria? And you want me to go where nobody is? You want me to go to a dangerous place? You want me to go to a deserted place out in the middle of nowhere? God says, yeah. So you know what he does? So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Who knows what a eunuch is? I'm going to enlighten some of you. A eunuch is someone who has his private parts cut off. Say, what? That is a, a unit, a eunuch, a unit. Not anymore. All right. It is actually often done to those that work in the order of royalty. A king might hire or bring on servants or cause a slave to become a eunuch in order to not allow them to be tempted to procreate or to get involved in relationships with each other or with the queen or other royal ladies. So basically, this was a a, a job requirement for royalty. I'm quitting, right? So here's a gender-altered, sexually abused, confused man And by the way, to the Jewish people, if you are a eunuch or emasculated, the Jewish people said, you're lost forever and you can never know God, ever. In fact, they wouldn't even allow you in the city if they knew. So this is the guy that he met. He says, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. I want to tell you a little bit about this guy. Who was this guy? First of all, he was a successful, high-level employee of royalty. He had a high-paying job. He controlled royal accounts. He was a noble person. He lived in luxury. He had a chariot, and he had a chariot driver. And he could afford one of the most expensive things on the earth at that time, religious scrolls. So he had almost everything that he wanted. He had traveled to Jerusalem looking for God. He had everything, yet he couldn't find the answers. Now he's returning home. He was an unlikely candidate. Some of you might think of a friend of yours that is similar to this, and you think, man, this guy is never going to know Jesus. Well, follow this story. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. So here's the deal. This Ethiopian eunuch was in a cart, right? This cart's going down the road. And he's sitting on the back, you know, or sitting in the cart reading. And it looks cool, doesn't it? Reading the scriptures. And here's 
Philip, he's walking along the road. God said, go. And while he was on his way, he sees the cart. Now he sees the cart and God says, I want you to run up to the cart. So Philip runs up to the cart and he's running by the cart. And I don't know if I was the guy in the cart, I'd be like, dude, you need to step back. What are you chasing after my car for? I mean, uh, you know, I'd be like weirded out. Here's, But he got close enough, the Bible says, Philip got close enough to hear him reading. It was customary to read religious scrolls out loud because it was a proclamation of its truth. So he heard this guy reading the scrolls out loud. He says, so he said this, I hear you reading. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. Basically he says, sup, what you reading, man? He says, verse 31, he says, how can I, this guy said, unless someone explains it to me. Reminds me of the verse that Paul says, how will they know unless they are told? And how they, how will they be told unless someone goes? So this eunuch, it says, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. He was ready for some answers. Verse 32, this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth and in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who could speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who's this prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip mm, cleared his throat and said, oh yeah, baby. He says, Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. You see, that was a prophecy that Isaiah gave a thousand years before all about how Jesus would be slain for our sin. And Philip's like, oh, I know that passage. Let me tell you about how that is all about Jesus and how Jesus is the savior, the the one who's come to rest. Let me tell you the good news. There's life-changing, life-breaking, life-transforming news in that passage right there. Let me tell you about it. And he told him, and as they traveled along the road, as they were riding down the road, says they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. That was an outward declaration of his faith in Jesus and the resurrection. This man found water in the desert. He found the water of life, Jesus. And he wanted to declare that through the symbol of baptism. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, he like beat me up, Jesus. Philip, however, appeared at as Azotus, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, let me tell you what this little passage right here says for us. I want to give you a few things on what we can learn from that experience with Philip. And here's the one thing right here. When it comes to talking to people one-to-one about Jesus, I want you to know, be ready. Be ready. He was, Philip was, as Paul says, he was Prothomos. He was ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. He was Jesus. Whatever you have for me, I'm ready. I am ready. I'm willing. I'm serving you. I'm walking with you. Philip was 
a follower of Jesus Christ. He knew the truth. He lived the truth. He walked in the truth. Philip was prayed up and he was walking it out. This is not about being perfect. This is about being ready. Some of you, it's time to quit being quiet. And what's holding you back is thinking that you got to have it all figured out. That you got to have all the right answers. That you got to have all the answers to all the right questions. And you got to have a life that's perfect in every way or people are going to mock you and belittle you. Man, be honest. Be authentic. Be the real Christian who struggles sometimes. But be the real deal and be ready. That's what he's calling us to do and to be. Number one, be ready. Number two, he says very simple. He says that Philip did this. He says he was listening and looking. And this is where a lot of us fail. We're not listening. We're not looking. Philip was looking and listening and praying and waiting. Philip was listening. I want to ask you, are you listening? That person at work is waiting for you to listen to God about talking to him. Are you looking? Do you see people? Do you see your neighbor? Do you see what's going on at school? Do you see your friends through the eyes of Jesus? Philip was sold out to Jesus going through life, serving God, and God nudged him, and he was listening. That's what it says in Colossians 4, 2. He says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. He was in jail at the time. Pray that I also may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. That means those aren't Christians. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer Everyone, here's the deal. Be ready, be listening, be looking, be praying for open doors. An open door is basically anyone who is already searching. But here, instead, here's what we do. There's a show that used to be on uh, called MXC. Anybody ever watch that show? It's basically this, <laughs> nobody. Uh, once I tell you about it, some of you guys will know. It is a, it's an it's an, it's a 80s Chinese um, obstacle show. And basically they got the rights for it. And then 10 years later, they overdubbed all the, the words and they made it into like this comedy bit where people were running through these word obstacles. Anybody seen it yet? Okay. A few of you, I think the show is hilarious. There's a part of the show, uh, called, um, door slammers. And basically they line up about you know, 10 doors and they have, they start off with like several, you know, like maybe 80 people and, and they're over here and they're like, you know, they have the gun, they're like, go. And there's a certain number of people that must get through these series of doors, doors, a space, door, a space, a door. And sometimes there's people in the middle just kind of blocking them and stuff. Well, and at the end, there's this white powder that they must jump into. And that means, you know, the first certain number of people get to go to the next round. Well, here's the deal. They have this row of 10 doors and people are running as hard as they can. And only one or two of the doors are made out of paper. And the rest of them are made out of wood. And they're solid. So these people are like running, you know, like pow. And they're like. Boom! And, and then I'm praying for closed doors. You watch that show. It is hilarious. Bam, bam, bam. And when they hit the paper, they're like, Psh! and they, they make it out. And then they run. They're full steam and they hit the next one. Bam, a door. And then all of a sudden you see one door and people are like, oh, trying to crowd into it. And it's a chaos. It's crazy fun. But this is exactly how we treat 
this whole issue of talking about doors is we're like, man, I don't have time. I've got my own issues, issues, and we just run and we hope it's a closed door. We, we don't really want to talk to anybody, but if we're led by God and if we'll listen and if we won't barge in, God will lead us to the paper doors. God may lead you like Philip with a voice, but he's already led you with this saying, go, tell them, talk to them. God, show me and I'll walk through. The third thing is that he was willing. I need to be, be willing. Philip was sent by God down a desert road, a road less traveled. When Philip heard the voice of God, he didn't say, no, I'm kind of busy, got other things. In fact, he was willing to walk across the room. Some of you, well, he was actually willing to walk across the country, but some of you are not willing to walk across the room. Are you willing? God sent him down a deserted road out in the middle of nowhere. He didn't say, God, really? (laughs) Really? A spirit-led life does not find it odd to go to strange places. And some of you, God's just asking you to move your seat. He's asking you just to sit one seat over. He's asking you just to kind of move across the room, move out of your house and ring the doorbell of your neighbor. He's asking you to be willing to do the unusual. So he saw this guy and God says, all right, I want you to go up to that chariot. He's like, what? You want me to run? That guy's going to pull a gun on me. Are you serious, Jesus? I know there weren't guns then, but imagine if you ran up to a car really fast, right? (laughs) This guy's like, well, you better jump back. You know, you never know what was happening here. Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? He didn't say, God, you want me to do what? I want to ask you, are you willing to chase chariots? Are you willing to talk to anybody? to talk to anybody. He reached out beyond his comfort zone, this gender-confused person. Today, we might see them as maybe a homosexual or a transgender. People, even religion has counted out. You think that you've gone too far. You think that you're too messed up, but God says, no, you're invited and I still want you. You might have confusion about who you are, but I know who you are. And if you'll come to me, we'll work it out together. Some of us, there's certain people that God just don't send me over there. Just don't let me talk to that person. Oh, man, God, no. God's done with them. No, God says, that's my person. That's my child. I want you to go talk to them. Willing to walk across the room, willing to do the unusual, willing to talk to anybody. Philip had no idea all that God had mind. He did not say, not now, not me. I'm busy, but I'm willing. And the Spirit's timing was perfect, which is the next thing. He was very simple. He was simple. We need to be simple. We don't need to know, you know, every single thing about the theology of Jesus. Philip showed genuine interest and started with a very simple question and got to know him. He started right where he was at. He says, how are you? He says, what are you reading? Do you need any help? God used Philip because God was already working on this eunuch. He started right at the point of his need. Start right where they are. Let me tell you something. Unless someone knows Jesus, let me put this, until someone knows Jesus, the message is simple, Jesus. We don't need to talk to them about end times if they don't know Jesus. We don't need to be talking to them about gender issues if they don't know Jesus. We don't need to get into a discussion about tattoos if they don't know Jesus or about theology. He started with a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? He took him to Jesus from there. Tell your story. Tell how you met Jesus. 
and how he changed your life. In fact, in the live teams this week, we're going to be talking to you about how you can develop a story with Jesus, how you can develop your testimony. We're going to talk about how to break down and how to go one-on-one with somebody in your life team. So don't miss out on life teams this week. Philip knew and loved the breaking news of Jesus and led him to salvation. Here's a big question, big, big, big question. There's nothing more simple than the gospel message. And I want to ask you, can you explain the gospel? If you are a Christian in this room and I were to ask you, what is the gospel? And you go, uh, 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 maybe you need the gospel, all right? I remember when I was a, uh, a youth leader and I was giving teenagers rides home. I lived at, we were at a church in Rockwall and there were people that drove all over Dallas. And, uh, you know, if you have a, a car and you're in a big youth group, then you take kids home, right? So um, I'm like 18 and I'm taking kids home. And I remember this one girl, um, I was dropping people off and, and we got out to an area and, and I'm like, um, where do you live? And she goes, well, I think, it, uh, you know, we're like, 30 minutes away from the church. We're in the heart of Dallas now. And she said, um, I, it looks familiar. I think it's this exit. And we took the exit. No, it's not this one. So we, three hours. This was pre-cell phone. She didn't just call dad and say, hey, dad, where are you? We stopped at multiple phone booths, right? Pay phones at gas stations in the middle of the night in Dallas. No answer, no answer. Finally, right? Remember, youth group gets out 9, 30, 10. So we're now pushing 12 and 1 on a school night. I've got a teenage girl in my car. Fortunately, there was another person with me. We weren't the only ones. She was lost. I couldn't help. She couldn't get her dad on the phone. I'm thinking, do you really live there? How do you not know where you live? How can you not tell me where you live? She goes, well, I just, I just, I usually sleep on the way to church. Ah, some of you, you can't tell the gospel to someone because all you do is sleep at church. You, you somehow arrived here, but you don't know how to get here and you don't know how to get somebody else here. Guys, quit sleeping. That's the attitude of a child. It's time to grow up, learn the gospel and explain the very simple message of the gospel. I'm a sinner separated from God. Jesus died for my sin. Good news, I can be forgiven. It was a very simple message. And here's the last thing. Just be patient. Give it time. Now, the Ethiopian man was ready. God had already been working on him, and this was his time. But some of you need to ease back a little bit on the people you're talking to and just be Jesus to them. Talk to them be simple, love them, meet them where their need is, and be patient. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. He says, what? After all is Apollos, and what is Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither The one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Each, he says, uh, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are 
God's field. You are God's building. Guys, listen, some sow, some water, some will be there when the harvest is reaped, but it is God who's working through it all to grow someone to the place of understanding and accepting Jesus. God is not always finished. Guys, this is huge. God is not always finished with the person who says no. Some of you have been sowing seed to that coworker. Some of you have been sowing seed to your mom and dad. Some of you have been sowing seed to your sister, or to your friends. And somebody else is coming behind, or maybe you're watering a seed that God has already planted in them through somebody else. And one day you might be the reaper, not the, I'm coming to kill you, reaper. You might be the person who's to reap that harvest to set them free. You might be the one, but it is God all the while working through them. Guys, you can't save anybody. You don't have the power to save. The gospel is the power to save. So don't try to convince people. Don't try to manipulate people. Don't try to pressure people. Don't try to guilt people. Don't try to shove Jesus. Just be kind, be generous, be like Jesus. Share the truth, share the love, share the grace of Jesus. Sow the seed, water that seed. Let the Lord grow them, all right? Don't give up on anybody. Don't give up on them. You may not be the one to reap your family. The Holy Spirit is responsible. We are called not to save, but simply to show and tell, to show God's love and to tell of his life. So here's the walk away. I want to end with this thought. Number one, reach out to broken people and you'll find beautiful people. This is the this is this big points of this story. Here's a guy who the religious people said you're lost forever because you've been altered physically and you'll never know God again. And I love the story because it's like a worst case scenario. When I was in Bible college, we used to sit around at lunch talking about, well, what if, da, 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 you know, we'd like try to stump each other on what if someone was, da, 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 da. you know what? And I'm think, thinking back, I'm like, how, how dumb of us, how immature of us. Because we're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I'd send him to another church. <laughs> or I'd help him out. Or I would just tell him, this is what you need. You know what? God says, just, just give him Jesus and then walk with him. This is a worst case scenario. A guy who's completely confused about his life, had an abusive background, who was very wealthy, was in a position where he probably didn't feel like he needed Jesus, but he had emptiness. Reach out to broken people and you'll find beautiful people. Philip shared Jesus with that man. By the first century, Ethiopia was known to have one of the greatest Christian churches on the planet at the time. And most scholars believe that it was rooted from that one man. So that one man goes back to his home. We don't know how he continued in his work with the royal family. We don't know, but we know that over the course of a generation, he planted a church in Ethiopia is today still one of the great churches of Christian history in Africa. And it goes right back to just one man who had one person who was willing to listen to Jesus and talk to him. What would have, who would have ever guessed that these people in the Bible would lead so many to Jesus? I mean, Saul, a persecutor and murderer of Christians, ended up writing a third of the Bible. While the world may see a hard-hearted boulder, God sees a beautiful statue. What do you see? The hard-hearted with the rough edges or a piece of art by the hands of the master artist. 
Peter, who had rocks for brains, Jesus called a rock and became a rock star in the church. Second thing is that God is still sending people. Just as God sent Philip up the road and then to a distant land, God is still sending you. Will you listen? Will you look? Somewhere right now, God is working in the heart of someone, praying and waiting for someone to show up. Or you could be a person in a distant land, or it could be that woman across the street, or it could be that man down the hall, or even a person in your small group. Here's the last thing, is that no one is beyond the reach of God. It's the beautiful messages of this little short passage. These party guests remind us that no one is beyond the reach of God. The racial and religious outcasts, the despicable in the community, the sexually confused, the violent, the enemy who is hard to trust, the last people on the list, and guess what? Even you, even you, you're not too far beyond God's reach. Jesus says, you're invited. So I will not be quiet. I quit being quiet. And I want to encourage you as we go today, let's make our party list and let's quit being silent. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that, uh, God, someone listened to you and led me to Jesus. God, I'm thankful that there are people in this room that know you because somebody wasn't silent and told them about Jesus. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts that we would stop being silent that we would not be ashamed, that we would not hide, that we would not be embarrassed. God, why would we embarrass, be embarrassed of the Savior of the world, the creator of the universe, who now lives and rules in our heart? What do we have to be ashamed of? What do we have to be embarrassed of? God, help us to quit being quiet. God, there are people in our life, people in our home that are crying and praying and looking and seeking and waiting for someone to talk to them about you. God, let us be prothemus, be ready. God, let us be obligated with a spiritual debt to the Savior of our life. If you're here right now, I want you to know God is not finished with you. You're not too far. You haven't done too much. God cares for you and wants to work in you. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I need to know that God's not done with me. Could you just raise your hand right now and say, you know what, I need to know that God's not done with me. Amen. Hands going up. Just say, I need to know God's not done with me. God, thank you for these hands, these young men and women, Lord, these adults. God, thank you, Lord, that you're not done with us. You're not finished with us. We haven't gone too far. We haven't seen too much. We haven't done things that have taken us too far beyond your guest list. And God, if we will listen to the Holy Spirit tugging at our heart as we listen to the power of the gospel today, Lord, I pray that you would give us the power to break free from our sin and move us from our position of self and sin and shame and move us into a position of righteousness in you. God, thank you. If you're right where you are and that's you, will you just talk to God for a minute and say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. I need to know that you're still with me. I need to know that I can be your child Forgive me of my sin. Go ahead and talk to him. God, forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to be a follower of Jesus who will tell others about what you've done. 
God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.